0: Well, Welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife Erica and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, Joining us online or whether in here in person uh, with us here at Rise. We're so glad that you're here, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you checked us out. Maybe you were searching for local churches in your area or you're here today and you're brand new. We're so glad that you're with us. I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say Three times. And the reason we do that is because we know that when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. Hey, right now, it's a little unique, and uh, our season of church and just season of life, come on, how many of y'all know our culture is just a little different, and so invite you to come back three times. Hopefully, this could be your spiritual family. I also want to let you know, if you are watching right now, say online, or maybe you're in here, uh, well, you can do us a favor as a church, really, and help build our online presence. The first thing you could do is like and share uh, this particular service, so if you're watching online right now, we'd love for you to share it if you're in here. Go ahead and share. Let people know that you're here at church. Also, leave a review. That's a great way for you to do it. Go on to Google. uh, Do it on our Facebook. Just let us know. Recommend us. Leave a review. It doesn't have to be long, but when you do that, it lets people know that, hey, we're a great church, and uh, you found some great family. Here at Rise. Today, uh, we get to start a a brand new series. I'm really excited, called Jonah. And um, what I love about uh, this book of the Bible, number one, it's short. Come on, how many of y'all like that inside of Scripture? And uh, if you want to get through the whole thing in one setting, you really can do it in about 20 minutes. It's only four chapters. And so we're going to walk through uh, this incredibly rich book today and over the next several weeks. And there's a reason why I want to do that. You know, we at Rise, we kind of have different types of teaching. Uh, We teach topical. We teach, uh, you know, sometimes based on the time or what's going on, or maybe there's a certain idea that we want to go through. And then sometimes we teach the way we're going to be teaching over the next several weeks. We call it, uh, you know, theologically, we'd call it maybe exegetical, or we take a a book of the Bible and we kind of walk through it uh, kind of word by word. And guess what? We're going to do that today in the next several weeks. It's going to be awesome. So I'm excited. You can turn to Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. I would get ahead of it right now because it's really hard to find because it's a small book. And just go ahead and start searching or just pull up your Bible app and search for Jonah. We're going to be in chapter one today. And as you are doing that, uh, let's pray. Father, we love you God Lord I'm just so glad that we're here Lord we get to open up your word and really listen and hear and just heed what God you have to say to us today and I'm just honored to be a part of your kingdom honored to speak on your behalf every time I walk onto this platform I consider it a privilege may today your word be spoken through uh, just the words of God today in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen Um, you know interesting. I think about Jonah, if you grew up in church in any way, um, Jonah is one of the most famous stories, especially for kids. And I've noticed that like when you're, uh, if you grew up in children's church, we call it children's church back in the day. We didn't, you know, and it wasn't really church. It was really just kind of babysitting. That's not what we do here at Rise. We try to really teach your kids. But uh, a lot of times when you look at children's books or you look at children's curriculum, uh, Jonah is one of the most highlighted stories uh, of all children's curriculum. In fact, the first time I heard Jonah, you might be like me in this. They did it, uh, that I was taught through a felt board. How many of y'all remember what a felt board was? And and back in the day, this was like breaking technology. This was this was brand new to everybody. And my 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 Sunday school teachers would teach us on, it's kind of like this, it's a felt board. It's literally felt. And then they would put like these characters on the felt board. And I've noticed that like all the characters, it didn't matter what the Bible was, all the characters were the, that person. So this is Abraham, Moses, Jonah, Jesus. This was everybody. You know, we didn't have enough money to have another felt board character. And so we would, we would, learn about Jonah through uh, felt. And, and we would always learn about his famous, really his famous claim to fame was really being able to be swallowed by, come on, how many of y'all know, swallowed by a giant fish. And so that's what they really talked about. And uh, that was a, kind of my first um, forte into, uh, into learning about Jonah. But what I noticed about scripture, if you go back and read it, you know, for yourself, it's actually much bigger. It's much deeper as a Book of the Bible, and honestly, if we're honest, it's actually much darker. Uh, the The Book of the Bible inside of Jonah is so unique, and I wanted to kind of give you some highlights before we go into the Book of Jonah. I know that sometimes we can just start reading, and then we just start reading a book, and we just kind of get into it. But I wanted to kind of give you some like insight to to, to the Bible. And Jonah is so unique because if you were to write a book um, of the Bible, you would never write. The book like this, like especially because most of the of the scholars believe that Jonah wrote this kind of wrote this book. And so if he's writing, if you're writing a book about yourself, you would never write this about yourself. You just never would. I always tell you the Bible's true because all of the characters there. None of the characters are heroes in the story. <laughs> and so when we learn about the scripture, you're going to learn there's a lot. About Jonah that we're going to learn. So a couple of highlights um, just from from scripture. Number one, it's a um, it's what we call a minor prophet book. There's twelve of them inside scripture. This is the fifth of the minor prophets that we kind of talk about. And the only reason the difference between minor and major is that they wrote more. So if it was a smaller book, it was minor. If it was a bigger book, it was major. So this is one of the fifth of the twelve minor prophets inside of scripture. Um, it was written between. Eighth and third century is what many scholars believe for uh, most of the, you know, in terms of when it was written. A lot of scholars believe it was written by Jonah himself, um, and there's four chapters. It's unique because this is the one of the only books inside of the minor prophets that actually speak about the prophet instead of about his words. You know, a lot of the other minor prophets will speak about the words of the prophet, and they might give maybe a particular time when he did something. But this is all story is really about his particular life. And it really, if you look at all together, just from chapters one through four, it's a theological reflection on a huge character trait of God, which is compassion. And really his desire for not only us to see that God is compassionate, but for those who are followers of Jesus to be that vehicle of compassion to others um one of the one of the, um, the, the the things that i heard inside of scripture it was really really fascinating it was a uh, i i saw a theologian he kind of wrote this and this is a great subscri- description of the book of Jonah, and it says this: it's the subversive story. This is interesting. I'm gonna put it up here. It's uh, go to go to the next one. It's the subversive story of a rebellious prophet who hates God for loving his enemies. That's really the the description of Jonah. And so you look at that, and you kind of because if you go back right now and you go watch it and you look at it, you'd be like, why is this a children's book? Because this is there's nothing rated G about Jonah. There's nothing. Um, kitty about Jonah. In fact, Jonah teaches us a huge lesson about ourselves, and over the next several weeks, we're really going to, to learn about it. So, an overview of Jonah, chapter 1, okay, I'm going to give you just a real quick, just chapter by chapter, bullet point, and then we're going to jump into chapter 1. Just so you kind of know where we are, I want to give you some context of how how this is all worked. So, chapter 1, uh, Jonah is called, but he runs. So, God comes to Jonah. We're going to find out in just a minute, God comes to Jonah. Jonah doesn't listen to the Word of God, and he runs. Chapter 2, we find out that Jonah is now in a fish, and he prays while he's in a fish. Chapter 3, Jonah preaches a bad sermon to the people he was originally supposed to go to, and God shows grace. And then in chapter 4, Jonah gets angry, and God is patient. So those are kind of like the the topics or the subjects or the headings of kind of each chapter as we walk through it. And in chapter 1, we pick it up where God comes to Jonah. We're just going to walk through it verse by verse. Uh, Old school Bible study today. I hope you all like that. We're going to have some fun just looking at some insights. From Jonah Jonah chapter 1 and it says this is the word of the Lord came to Jonah son of Amittai, and he says this it's so good he says go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because it's wickedness has come up before me now we're gonna pause for just a second Nineveh um, was was an incredibly terrible city. Uh, historically the uh, it was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire and the Assyrians uh, at the time especially were one of the worst people and that were one of the most wicked people in fact you can go back now even historically uh, archaeologists are actually uncovering different parts of the of the city of Nineveh that is modern day now and and they they they're like excavating things and there are Pictures on the walls of what the Assyrian people used to do to the Israelites. And we're talking terrible people, like wicked people. Like they would decapitate people, put their heads on posts, skin people alive. I mean, there were they would they would uh, uh, kill women and children. They would abuse. They would violate. It was a terrible, terrible people, and it was incredibly wicked. And the children of Israel, if you were reading this in the first as the first century Hebrew, you, when they, they said the word Nineveh, you would have been like weirded out about it honestly right away you would have been just in the camp with Jonah because you find out later that he runs which by the way most people when they when they look at this they don't realize how evil and wicked Nineveh was so chapter uh, verse three and it says but Jonah ran away from the Lord again most people would have if you were a first century Hebrew you would have you would have felt that you would have been like you know what I'm with them I'm with Jonah they ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish and they headed for Tarshish my first insight today as we read the the book of Jonah chapter one is that we are all runners like we are all runners in some way. You know, when you and I read that, you're kind of like, okay, so let me get this straight. God, you go to Jonah, and Jonah is a prophet for you. He works for you. He should be doing your word. He should be trusting you the most. He should be. He knows who you are. He works for you. Come on, you've, you've been moving on his behalf. If you're a prophet, you've seen God do some amazing things, and God goes to your prophet, and he runs. I don't know about you, but when I first read it, my initial kind of feeling is to judge Jonah, because you're like, God, why? okay, so he knows you, and you ask him to do something, and yet he runs away. But if we're honest, if we're really honest with ourselves, we all are runners in some way with God. Maybe you right now are, are, are running from God in a relationship with him. Maybe you're doing this thing called like non-committal running. You're you're not ready to commit to God fully. You're not ready to step into a relationship with him. In fact, you maybe you've known your whole life. Maybe every time you talk to grandma, she's asking you, Do you know the Lord? Maybe you you've been pulled on. You just maybe right now you've found this message. There's something about searching on the internet. You're just like, I need a church or I need a word of God. I'm trying to listen. And somehow you stumbled upon this, and you've been running from God because you know you should be in a relationship. With him, maybe maybe you're a second kind of person. Maybe you, you committed to God before, but you know we had this statement in my church when we grew up. It was called backsliding. You know, you, I don't know if you ever heard that. Like when you backslide, I don't even know what that means. How do you backslide? I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. But it's it's this idea that when you you started out into a relationship with Christ and then you 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 something happened maybe it was a situation with god maybe there was a situation with a person maybe something terrible happened in your life and you you all of all of a sudden justified your ability to walk away from god and since that moment you've been running from him you know the right things god showed himself faithful to you before in the, in the past and in your process but now you're now you're running from him or maybe it's not necessarily backsliding but you 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 are specifically running from God on a specific issue maybe it's relationally you know that God has called you to someone unique relationally maybe romantically you know that it's not right for the person that you're with right now as you're dating and you know it your heart knows it your 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 your, your, your family knows it your friends know it you even know it but you're running from God and what his best is for you specifically maybe it's it's something financially maybe there's you know that God has you uh, to, to do something unique with your money or your finances and you know Know what God's asking you to do right now and you're running from him specifically in that area of your finances because you just you're just not ready to do it maybe it's it's a, it's your priorities maybe it's your time maybe it's your job regardless of what it is we all have unique ways of running from God at certain times and regardless of the reason or the way we all have certain reasons of why some of the reasons we run is because we think we, well, honestly, we think we're going to miss out. A lot of us have this idea of like FOMO, you know, you have like a fear of missing out. And, and you don't follow the word of God in your life simply because you think that if you do that, you're going to miss out on all the fun. You know, we do that in, in teen, remember you did that as a teenager. You would do that with your mom and dad. Your mom, you would ask him to go to the party. Your mom and dad said no. And you thought your parents were keeping you from fun when really they were just trying to make sure you were safe. Come on. And you thought you were going to miss out, and it kept you from, instead of you following God you, you and listening to his word, you don't do it because you think you're going to miss out on something. Maybe you don't trust God right now. Maybe God's asked you to do something. He's asked you to go somewhere. He's asked you to, to work on his behalf, maybe be a vehicle of compassion. And you and I can get into this area where we don't completely trust God because I don't see him, and I don't know how to trust him, and I don't know how to have faith with him. I can't prove it. I can't guarantee it. And you have to walk out by faith a little bit now but it keeps you from from following what god wants you to do or maybe you feel like honestly you could feel like you're smarter than god you know sometimes you look at the scriptures and you're like god then maybe that's true for maybe first century christians or hebrews i mean this is a different book we're in a different culture this is 2000 years after Jesus' life i mean i how can this book i we have seemed to have gotten smarter now right god we know what we should do Regardless of the reasons of why you run, regardless of the reasons of why, of what kind of running we have, the truth of the matter about running is simply this. Running has a cost. Running always has a cost. In fact, the the life and the story of Jonah shows us, especially in chapter 1, the heaviness of that cost, and we're going to figure it out. As we keep going and verse three keeps goes on and it says this, it says he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. This is so interesting because this is life. Okay, it says after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Interesting set of scriptures that, that we see the insight. Number two would be is that I've noticed that there's always a ship going in the wrong direction when you're running. There's always a a way. Anytime God asks us to do something, I've just noticed, maybe it's just in my life. Anytime God asks me to do something on his behalf that he has for me, I've noticed there's a very convenient and easy way to do the opposite. It's just me. And, And what's interesting about the life of Jonah is that Jonah is asked by God, he's a prophet of God to do something unique and special. And Jonah goes to a place and all of a sudden out of nowhere, there's a ship headed in the exact opposite direction. It was going to go east and now he's going to go west. I mean, we're talking opposite. It's not, it's not a coincidence. I mean, come on, the enemy isn't dumb. There's there's a moment where we need to realize that if God asks us to do something, just know there's going to be the most convenient reason and way to do the exact opposite of what God asks you and I to do. So let's just give an example right in our life. Maybe you come to church and you hear a great message or maybe you're reading the, the word of God or you're in your prayer time and God asks you to be generous. He says, God, God speaks to you specifically. I've heard these moments where God speaks to you and he says, be open handed with whatever God gave you. Could be with your finances, could be with your time, could be with your talent, could be with your knowledge. God's saying, I've given something to you. I want you to live your life open handed and be generous. And then right at that moment where you make a decision to follow God, maybe you're not running. Maybe you're like, man, I'm going to follow God. Isn't it convenient To see all of a sudden another place where you could do the opposite. Maybe a bill comes out of nowhere. Maybe all of a sudden something happens. Maybe you feel like you can't do it now. And there's always a reason to do the opposite. Maybe God asks you to be faith-filled. And then I just notice, sometimes I'll be like, okay, God, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be faith-filled. I'm not going to have fear. And then I turn on the news. Convenient ship, come on, taking me in the wrong direction. Or or maybe it's asking myself, like I've noticed this, like if you look at the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture, one of the biggest themes of all of the Bible is for you and I as followers of Jesus is to be kind. And then I wake up and I start to deal with the world and I'm driving and I get cut off and I'm in H-E-B and somebody bumps my cart and, and then I'm somewhere, I'm at the gas station, somebody overcharged. Come on, like, there's always this. It's like whenever I feel like, man, I, I, God asked me to do something, there's just a convenient opportunity for me to do the opposite. The other day I was, um, I was literally reading inside Scripture to be kind to others. It's literally it's like I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, it's in my Bible plan. I'm like reading it. I'm like, this is powerful. I'm going to make a decision today to be kind. Seriously, I mean, that's literally what's happened. Then I, I'm literally I, I get up out of my bed. And I walk into my room, into my house, in, in, into a, a, a part of my house, and look at the television. And there is a, a nick, like a nick, a chunk of plastic is out of the screen of my TV. And I'm like, that can't be a nick. You know, you, you ever you ever had those? I'm like, this can't be real. Like, this can't be true. Just, this, this isn't what happened. And I look over at my kids. And, and you ever watch, like, anybody who kind of, like, get, get caught? You know, like, the face, you get the get, the get caught face. And it's like know you kind of like sunk into your face a little bit, and I look and I look, I'm like, did y'all did y'all just nick my TV? It's not their TV, it's my TV. So I'm like, is there did you tell me one of you didn't just throw something at the TV and actually take a chip? Out of my television, who did that? And before you know, you know, all of a sudden you start really like, you know, you're like really trying to be kind. And you're like, did anybody? And before you know it, I'm shouting. I'm like, who did it? Who took the nick out of my TV? Kids are running. My, my wife's like, what, well, babe, it's okay. I'm like, no, who who nicked the TV? Like it can't be replaced, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm freaking out. And I remember in that moment, I'm at like DEFCON 10, right? I'm like at 10. I'm at 10. My, 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 my voice is like, I can't get past this area of my throat. And I'm like, I'm almost screaming. And I, heard, I remember hearing, be kind. And I noticed that my scripture didn't say, hey, be kind when, they, when your kids do everything that you want them to do. I just have just noticed that that that. Anytime God asks me to do something, there's a convenient ship sailing in the wrong direction. Runners, by nature, will see this a lot. And my, my prayer for you is that, and for me, is that we, whenever God asks us to do something, we should do it. Because it ultimately takes us to the place that we're supposed to be at. It's not always easy, but it's always purposeful. God has a purpose for our life. And anytime he asks us to do something in particular for someone, it's on purpose. Everybody say on purpose. There's there's a purpose behind what God's asking us to do. And then then it goes on in verse 4. It goes on. It says, Then the Lord sent a great wind onto the sea, and such a violent storm arose, and the ship threatened to break uh, threatened to break it up, and then all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own god. So, just a summary: God asks Jonah to do something; he doesn't. He gets he he runs away. He gets on a ship heading to Tarshish, in complete opposite direction. He gets on the ship with sailors who don't believe in God and his god, especially because they're praying out to their own god. And they threw a cargo. They threw the cargo uh, into the sea to lighten the ship. So they're doing everything they can to you know keep the ship together. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down and he fell into deep sleep. This is so funny. And then the captain went to him and said. How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that so that we will we will not perish. Insight number three is this, is that runners in danger. Typically, they always endanger those who are around them. So Jonah thought that his running would only affect him. And he comes to find out that his running actually affected a lot more than just him. And runners always have this tendency. I don't know if you ever noticed this. People are running from God. Those are dangerous people. And anytime you get around them, anytime you get around somebody who's dangerous, you, you are in danger. I know deep thoughts from Pastor Aaron today. But like if you're not careful and recognize that and if you are a runner yourself, just know you're in danger. And it's not always um, intentional, but it is, it is definitely inevitable that anytime you're running from God, you're going to naturally be in danger. You and I know this because when you're, uh, when you, if you're married in here and you make a dumb decision, it doesn't just affect you. It affects your wife. If you're married in here and you two are not working it out and things aren't going well with the, with the marriage, how many of y'all know your it doesn't just affect you and your wife, it also affects your, your kids. Anytime someone's running from God, it's like when we tell teenagers when they're younger, it's like be careful what you do and the decisions you make. All teenagers think, I was a youth pastor for like 10 years, all teenagers think that the decisions that they make will only affect them. Now you and I as parents know we're the ones who pay for it. But when you're running from God and doing the things that are opposite of what he wants for you in your life, it tends to always be dangerous, which leads us to two major conclusions that when we run from God, it's dangerous. The second conclusion that we run to is that when we get around those who run from God, it is dangerous. Runners inherently have danger wrapped up inside of their lives. And if we are not careful, we can be in that very Same danger. My my suggestion to you, instead of being like Jonah, is that instead of being a runner who is always in danger, maybe staying close to God, who is always being protective of his kids. The Bible goes on to say as the story continues. It says in verse 7, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast out lots to find who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and fell on Jonah. So they did this kind of weird, you know, hey, we're going to figure this out by you know, chance. And so they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? So they start grilling Jonah. So it's like they did this random game to try to figure out who was wrong and why the storm is here. And they pick Jonah and then they go and they start to grill Jonah. And they start asking him questions. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From What people are you? They're like, you know, what what kind of person are you? And what did we get ourselves into? Because you're a runner and we didn't know you were dangerous. Now we know. Who are you? And he says this. This is Andrew. I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. And this is so funny to me because if you ever read scripture, you got to read scripture like you got to read it to read it. Okay, this is to me. This is so silly. He says, "I, I, I work for God. okay, the God of heaven who who made the sea and the dry land. Okay, so, so you, you, you made the sea, God made the sea, I, I work for God, it's probably best that I don't go to the sea, right? So insight number four to me was like, whenever we run from God, we tend to run from wisdom. If I was Jonah, if you and I were Jonah, just okay, just like as like a, I'm standing back from it. 30,000 foot view. If I was Jonah and I worked for God and I knew God's power and I knew that he created the sea, I never would have went to the sea. That's not wisdom. What I probably would have done is stayed inside of my house, grabbed a Snuggie, made some tea and stayed put. There's no way I would have gotten into an area or a situation. Come on, you run. Have you ever noticed that when you run from God, you ultimately are running from wisdom? Runners rarely do things that make sense. It's why when you go back in your life, if you were just to think back and just go like, I'm going to audit my life right now. I'm going to look back at all the crazy times where I did things that didn't make sense. You were probably running from God. Have you ever had that? You look back on your life and you're like, I dated who? Come on. Right? Like, I dated who? Why on earth did I date that dude? He was terrible. He treated me terrible. He never was nice to me. He was the wrong person. My parents knew it. My friends knew it. My cousins knew it. Come on, my sister knew it. My brother knew it. I knew it. And then I dated them. Maybe not you, or you but you, you know, you got friends who do that, right? And you're like, I don't know what, you invested in something. Come on, how many of y'all ever bought something? You look back and you're like, why in the world did I ever buy that? Come on, guys. You bought that bass boat. You don't even have a bass lake around you. It looked good at Bass Pro. You you bought some. Come on. You're running from wisdom. You work someplace. You go somewhere. You're in a relationship with someone. You got those friends. We all anytime you we don't make any kind of sense. And so it's easy for me to like judge Jonah. I'm like Jonah. Come on, bro. Like seriously, you work for God. You know how powerful he is. don't go to the sea. Stay at home. Do whatever you have to do. Don't get anywhere near anything like that. If I were you, I'd run and hide. But he does something out of wisdom. And that's look, runners always do that. And anytime you ever look like you go, when you, whenever you ask, have you ever noticed this? You ask this question, you go like, what was I thinking? Well, you weren't thinking. You were running. You were running. And anytime we run, we run from, from wisdom. And, and wisdom ultimately is found with God. And I've just noticed this. That life starts to make sense the closer that you start to align yourself with doing what he asked you to do. Now, now, as we wrap up today, the verses go on to say that once they have this conversation with Jonah, they grill him. They decide, okay, this is the culprit here. He's, he's the reason all of this stuff is going on. The best thing that you and I can do is get rid of him. And I'm, I'm going to close with, with this thought. They, they, the Bible says they pick him up. And this is his idea, by the way. Jonah tells them, toss me overboard. Now, again, when I say we're running from wisdom, when, when you're a runner, you run from wisdom, not just God. That don't make no sense. God asks you to do something and go help him and you can stay alive and go to help some people. But you're willing to die for people who don't know you and you don't know at all. Like you're just kill me. Like that makes no sense. OK, we're talking about running from wisdom. So he says, throw me out. The sailors do what you and I would do. They say, OK, and they throw him out. When they throw Jonah out. The Bible says something, one of the most peculiar passages in all of Scripture. Now, side note, some people like argue about Jonah. You know, there's like a theological debate, like was it real or was it a story? You know, and and some people, the people who believe it's real, maybe that's you. Uh, you know, some of the ways that they think that is, you know, uh, they well, Jesus references it in Matthew chapter 12 and kind of has this idea of it. And some people believe that like, this is an actual story or an actual historical reference of somebody that happened. Some people don't. Some people think it's just a literary allegory. They think it's like some, some type of, uh, a, of, of, of a parable of sorts inside the Old Testament where God's trying to teach you a lesson through it. My answer to those questions is always, it doesn't matter because the you always have to look at the author's intent. The author has an intent when they're writing this scripture and it doesn't make the bible less true if it was an allegory it doesn't make the bible more true if it was historical reference and i can i can show you on both sides there's theologians who debated on both sides and you want to know why it's debated it's because no one really knows and so you can look at certain things and kind of lean towards certain things but there's a there's a point to the story that you don't want to miss okay there's a point to the story and we're going to take the next several weeks to really highlight that point but one of the major points of this story comes up in verse 17. And it says this, okay, so they toss him out. He's floating in storms. Has anybody ever been in a storm on the sea before? And even on a lake? I mean, like, that's scary. He's floating. And then here's what happens: it says, now the Lord provided, this is an odd statement. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And people like to debate: was it a fish or a whale? There's no Hebrew word for whale, by the way, so it's you know, they talk about fish, so he huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And that's how chapter one ends. My final insight as I wrap up today in chapter one is that it's simply this. Runner's perspectives are often jaded. Runner's perspectives are often jaded. They're skewed. They don't see things as it is. They see things as they are. In other words, they don't see reality a lot. They see things as they are, as they are go. Like if they're not good, then everything is not good. And, and, And runners tend to be pessimistic. They tend to be negative. They tend to be critical. They tend to be uh, judgmental. They tend to be uh, kind of suspicious. Come on. Because everything that comes at them, good or bad, is is somehow, it's all filtered through how they are and not how it is. And when Jonah was floating, I, could you imagine, let's just imagine for a moment. When Jonah was swallowed by the fish, it could have been very easy for him to think that's his destruction, right? There's a big enough fish in the water that swallows you. I'm dead. Dead in my mind. But what was his destruction in his mind was actually, if you look at it and you go on to read and you find out, was actually Jonah's salvation. That the very thing that he thought was meant to kill him Was the thing God provided to help him. And anytime God intervenes in our life, just so you know, I just wanna help you with something. I wanna help us with something, with maybe a theological perspective and understanding of God. Again, the whole book is about God's compassion. Anytime God's intervening in your life, whether it looks like a fish or it looks like a blessing, it's to bring you back. Not pay you back. We think God's after us. I talked to someone the other day, said, Well, you know, God punishes you for sin. The problem, here's the funny thing about that sin typically punishes you for sin before God gets to you. That's why God hates it. God is trying to encourage you don't sin, don't do these things that I'm trying to help you not do, because inevitably that thing will be your destruction. And so when God intervenes in your life, what looks like a fish to Jonah was actually his salvation. It brought him back. It was God trying to bring him back. Jonah, stop running. I'm right here. I'm so big and my love and compassion is so big for you. I'm going to do something so unique. There's no other story in scripture where somebody gets eaten by a fish. That I'm going to bring you back because I love you. And I don't want your, your perspective to be jaded. I don't want you to see life in a negative way, in a critical way, where you're always judgmental and you're always looking for something. God is trying to bring you and I back. That is the theme of the Bible, by the way. Is a loving father and passionate pursuit of his kids, willing to do anything and everything to reach us. My prayer as we wrap up chapter one today is that if you are a runner, to the runners out there, which is all of us, know this, that God loves you and that any moment you can stop running, turn around, and what you thought was creating distance, when you turn around, you'll see God standing right there. He's willing to provide anything and everything to bring you and I back. That's my prayer for you today as we wrap up Jonah chapter